The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Yes. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. And then Jesus came. And then Jesus came. What difference would that make in your life if right now Jesus came to you? doesn't matter. Oh, it matters for me. And it matters for many of you. We want Jesus to come, and we want him to come now. We're crying out for Jesus. We want his healing. We want his forgiveness. We want his Holy Spirit. We want to be one with him. We're tired of this dark world. And then Jesus came. And everything changes when Jesus comes. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. I don't know if the disciples went with him. The scriptures don't say. 
it almost appears as if he's gone by himself, but he usually doesn't go anywhere by himself. He went to Jerusalem probably fairly early in the morning. There is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool. Of course, the Sheep Gate would be the entrance into the temple for the livestock, for the sheep to come, who are going to be sacrificed. There is a pool there, or was. Today it's very small, called Bethesda. Bethesda means house of God or house of mercy. It was surrounded by what would look like to us a large swimming pool. It had five colonnades to give those who came a bit of comfort and shade. Here, a a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Can you imagine 38 years on a thin little mat, on a hard surface? What do you suppose happened to his heart? Do you suppose he looked back at his behavior? Do you suppose he at all was concerned about how he had wronged the God of heaven? 38 years. Do you suppose he ever imagines now it's possible for him to be healed and restored? I want to speak briefly to those of you who have been sick for a long time. I've only been crippled and disabled for, what, going on five months? That's nothing compared to 38 years. Have you given up hope? Do you imagine that this is going to be your life? that you're going to always have to live with this pain, that you're always going to have to live with being shut in? Are you beginning to give up the possibility that Jesus can come? With healing in his wings, have you turned back to your own sour bitterness, to your own hopelessness? Have you given up that Jesus could come and everything in one moment could be transformed and changed and that you could now work effectively for him in the work of the kingdom of God? Don't you think Jesus wants you to be involved in his kingdom? Now some who have been severely crippled I found wonderful, wonderful ways to minister in the name of Jesus and to encourage others to pursue Christ with all of their might. I praise God for those praise, for those brave souls. That takes real courage and guts and bravery. What is the condition of your heart today? Are you angry? Many people, as they suffer, become angry, angry at life, angry at people, angry at their wife or their husband, grumble, be contrary. You know, when you're crippled, you have good days and bad days. Today's one of my bad days. Today's one of my bad days, a lot of pain today. Do I turn that in anger toward God? 
Do I turn that in anger toward my wife? Do I turn that in anger toward myself and the world? My wife asked me, how are you today? I said, well, it's a bad day. It's a bad day. But in my heart, I'm sad. And in my heart, I'm joyful. Circumstances are not going to create my reality. I'm very concerned today about a neighbor who is not a Christian. He had to go into surgery yesterday, have another toe removed because he has a diabetic condition. They've taken almost all of his toes. But frankly, one of the reasons they're having to continue to take off parts of his feet and maybe his feet is that he's a heavy smoker. The doctor said, stop smoking. It cuts your circulation ability. So what I'm doing is praying for David today. If the Lord came, would he heal David? Would he heal anyone who is so desperately in pain and anguish? I believe he would. And then he would say to David the same thing he said to this man. We'll get there. Watch. There were a great number of people there. It was crowded. And then on top of the people who were there because they're paralyzed or they're crippled or they're blind, there were family members there. And then there were Jewish people who came to give alms to these crippled and disabled people. It was a crowded situation. Jesus, very quietly, was walking through that crowd, past the blind and the lame and the paralyzed, directly to an invalid who had been there for 38 years. When Jesus learned more about him, he went to him and he asked a question. Do you want to get well? Now, that sounds like a foolish question, but if you're angry and you've made peace with your situation and you're just laying there and, no, do you want to get well? I think no one had ever asked him that question before. He answers, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. They believe that an angel came down and stirred the water every once in a while, especially on a a Passover holiday. There's, There's no one here to help me get in first. They believe that the first one into that pool was going to be the one who was healed that day. While I'm trying to get in, someone else always goes down ahead of me. I can't get there first, so I can't be healed. So Jesus has said, do you want to get well? And he's saying, I I can't get well. I'm trapped. I know that some of you today who are listening to this broadcast feel trapped. And you've been saying to people, there's no way I can get well. This is my condition for life. I just have to put up with it. I have to live with it. Until I die, I just have to live with this situation. 
You don't understand. When Jesus comes, everything changes. I can almost hear some of you say, but Jesus has never come. And you're mad about it. Jesus has left me alone. You want to get well? Sir, I have no one. I have no one. And some of you today feel like you have no one. I'm very grateful I have Twyla. She's amazing. She takes wonderful, wonderful, wonderful care of me. She is the most beautiful wife a man could have. I love her dearly. Jesus said to him, Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Now, the day on which this took place was a Sabbath day. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus slipped away into the crowd that was there. There's going to be a twofold lesson in this story. The first is very clearly the question, do you want to get well? In other words, are you willing to do what is necessary in order for you to get well? Now, I'm rephrasing it just a bit. There's probably a lot going to happen in your life that you need to take care of if Jesus is going to come to you. He did not come to every person who was lame and blind and paralyzed at that pool of of God's mercy. He came to just one. He came to just one. Will he come to you? Well, listen. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. After 38 years, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. What could possibly be worse than 38 years laying on a hard surface on a thin little mat, disabled, hurting? I can't think of anything worse. 38 years. And Jesus comes to him and says, Now, stop sinning or it's going to get worse. We like to sometimes pretend that there's black, white, and gray. And I tell you, there is no gray. There's no gray area. It's black or it's white. It's either walking in the darkness or walking in Jesus Christ. There is no scripture that I've ever looked at that talked about the the graying of heaven. Heaven is not going to be gray. Heaven is going to be bursting with light and energy, health, wellness. It's not gray. Usually people in the church who want to talk about, oh, pastor, come on, it's not all black and white. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. No, pastor, 
There are gray areas in the Christian walk. No, there are not. A person who tells me that there are gray things in the walk with Jesus are telling me that they love their sin, that they love the darkness. So, so look, I'll just walk in the gray area. And this man is being told by Jesus, stop sinning. Get out of the dark. Get in the light. Or something worse may happen to you. The gray area is where you have lost your relationship with Jesus and you've lost your hope in Jesus. And you've given up hope that Jesus will come and minister to you. Get rid of the gray area. Take a faith stand on the promises of God. And if you die, die on the side of the promises of God. Remember, Jesus is on the other side of eternity. Take a stand. Oh, pastor, that's foolish. Really? Really? Jesus' promises are just foolishness? He doesn't mean what he says. He's a liar. How can you trust him then for your salvation? You see what I'm saying? I've taken the promises of God. Whether he heals me or does not heal me. That's his business. My business is to stand on his promises and confess with my mouth that Jesus is faithful. He is true. He is not a liar. He loves me. He loves you. Did you know Jesus loves you? He doesn't want you to live in pain and anguish, sorrow, bitterness of heart, He wants you to walk in the joy of the Lord. Outward circumstances do not create the joy of the Lord. That's a heart decision between you and Jesus. That you're going to rejoice always, no matter what the circumstances are. Do you get this? Now, Jesus used this healing at the pool to stir up the Jews, just to poke them a little bit, make them think a little bit. That was painful for them right then. And for him to make some very clear statements in John, the fifth chapter, about who he really is and what he's about. I want to take you to another part of Scripture. I want you to come over here with me to the Apostle Paul. And he's going to talk about this. Beginning in the seventh chapter of the Gospel of of Paul, Romans. He writes, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Okay, so we've got to deal with two things here. We've got to deal with with God's law and the sinful nature. And he says, I'm a slave to the law of sin. 
But then very quickly, he tells us what he means, and he discards this this law of sin and says, I'm no longer under this law. Therefore, chapter 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, please hear me. If you are in the world and under the laws of the world, then you are not in Jesus Christ. You're either in Jesus Christ or you are in the world. There's no gray area here. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So you're either in the law of sin and death, which is all the gray and dark and black areas, or you are in the spirit of life. You are in Jesus Christ. Goes on. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. So, we're going to be in Christ, living in his Spirit, or we are going to be in the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're going to be in one of two places. You can't be at both at the same time. You cannot be in Christ and in sin. You're one or the other. This is mind-bending. And you may begin to ask the question, and legitimately so, how do I get out of being under the sin of the law, and how do I get into the spirit of life? Well, First and foremost, Jesus has to come. This is a supernatural work of grace. And Jesus will come to you when you're ready. He came to this man. Do you want to get well? He comes asking you the same question. Are you tired of the sin? Are you tired of the darkness? Are you tired of the bitterness? Are you tired of the games? Are you tired of the fighting and and name calling are you are you tired of the unclean the wickedness of your own heart are you tired of it do you want to get well that's really the question that jesus always asks every person he comes to do you want to get well I know some marriages, it's constant bickering, living in a fantasy world, constantly arguing, mad. Or do you live in peace and joy? Well, Pastor, now you're talking, no, I'm not. I've watched an arrogant, strong husband totally controlling his wife and his five children. I've watched the pain, but I've also watched 
this Christian woman become an incredible Christian. Instead of bitterness and anger, there is in her heart and her face through tremendous suffering. There's compassion and mercy. See, please understand, life is not a bowl of cherries with no pits. Now, I love cherries. But I know when I bite into a cherry, I'm going to find a pit. There wouldn't be a cherry without the pit. (laughs) I know life is hard. You have to finally grow up and face reality. This is my life. But after you grow up and face reality and say, this is my life, Jesus is there, and he has a path for you. And it's not a path of bitterness and anger and retribution. It's not a path of divorce and anger. It's not a path of violence. Instead, it's a path of peace and love. Well, he doesn't deserve my love. Do you deserve his love? No, none of us deserve love. As we come and we are asked the question by Jesus, do you want to get well? He's asking, do you want to come and be filled by the spirit of the living God and give up your wicked ways? Because if you don't, something worse is going to happen to you. Will you walk in the spirit of the living God? Now, that's an inner decision about how you're going to make your choices and what you're going to do. It's your decision. But the Holy Spirit comes and he says, here, I'll help you. I will strengthen you. I will carry you. He comes and says, come into Jesus. He's your shelter. He's your protection. Choose to live at peace. Don't choose to bicker and fight. There's nothing in my mind uglier than a woman who says, I'm a Christian. And acts like the devil. Or a man who says, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I pay my tithe. I'm a good person. And then goes home and walks like the devil. It's nothing uglier to me than a phony Christian. You have to make a decision. Listen. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. You understand? You're going to operate in the devil or in the spirit of the living God based on what you have decided in your mind about Jesus Christ. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Go look at Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit will show you the result of what I'm talking about. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. I want my mind to be controlled by the Spirit of the living God. I've settled that question doesn't matter what my physical circumstances are. That's not going to change who I am in Jesus Christ. It will only deepen my experience in him. It will cause me to become more compassionate and caring with others. 
I'm not going to walk in the counsel of this of this powerful darkness, demonic realm that seems to rule our culture. It says the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, neither can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You can put on all the makeup you want. You can dress up and look like a Christian. But very quickly, when controversy comes or when difficulty comes or when someone criticizes us, what's in us comes out. And if what comes in us is hostile to God, then we know we're serving the servants of darkness and we are wolves in lamb's clothing. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Well, how do we get there? Everything you do comes out of your spirit. Do you understand that? You have a personality, and you have a spirit. And everything you do in your personality is flowing out of your spirit, often shaped by experiences of the past, often shaped by the disappointments of your life, often shaped by the pain that you have suffered. But bottom line, Your spirit is what makes the decision. When you become a Christian, your spirit comes into one agreement with the Holy Spirit. And you lay your life down. Let's say a man is confronted with something he doesn't like. And he blows his gasket. He's angry, curses, name calls. Wait a minute, what's going on here? His spirit is tied to the spirit of darkness. He's never been really converted. Now, some men have been converted, and then they'll go back and tear down what the spirit of God has built in them when it becomes inconvenient for them to continue walking in the spirit. And then they walk back into the darkness. See, we don't have to walk in darkness. We have been established in the light by the light, Jesus Christ. And now your spirit will control what you do. I want my spirit to be in agreement, not with the sinful nature that I grew up in, but I have asked the Lord Jesus Christ to cast that out. I've been born again. I've been baptized. The spirit entered into me. I walk in the freedom of Jesus in that spirit that he has given me. And I praise God for that. I didn't do it by myself. The Spirit of God came. He changed my spirit. And he gave me his spirit. Listen, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. That's Romans 8, verse 9. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also, listen, grab this, don't let it go by you. 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who lives in you. So, I don't have to live with this broken leg and the anguish and pain of that, the hardness of that, and at the same time be connected to the spirit of darkness. No, I'm connected to the spirit of Jesus Christ. So I awaken this morning. I feel like I've got all flat tires. I hurt everywhere. What's the first thing that comes up out of my spirit? Lord Jesus, thank you for a new day. I love you. And I do. And I begin to praise and worship and honor and glorify the Lord Jesus. I begin to ask him, please put some some air in my tires. I'm having a hard time. Well, just sit still, worship me. And as I worship him, and as I praise Jesus, my spirits begin to soar. I know the presence of Jesus is right here with me. I praise him. He's here with me right now in the studio. This is not Ray Greenlee telling you his philosophy. This is what the word of God says. This is what Jesus teaches us in the book of Romans in the eighth chapter. I praise God for that. See, the the brokenness is real. The question is, how am I going to deal with the brokenness? A growly bear? How do you think that'll help my wife and her walk with Jesus? Of course it won't. It'll put distance between our hearts. Every once in a while, I ask my wife, sweetheart, how are we doing? I'm just doing a check, a health check. Do you have any issues between you and me? Have I accidentally done or said something that has hurt your heart? Let's talk about it. And we talk about it. Because we both want to walk in the spirit of Jesus. We don't want to walk in the spirit of controversy. So, I don't take anything for granted. I'm a practical man. Have you ever watched a pilot get ready to take off in his jet and watch him walk around and check everything before he gets in that jet to fly it out? Well, sometimes we have to walk around our own hearts and our own life and check out what's happening and ask others, do you see anything that's turning wrong in my heart. Let's talk about it. Pastor, I can't be that vulnerable. No, you can't if you walk in the gray or the dark. But if you walk in the light, you can. If you walk in the light, you have nothing to hide. What did I see it somewhere? Nothing to hide, nothing to grab. You walk in Jesus. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Jesus is going to heal me. I know that because of his many promises and because he has said that the Holy Spirit is going to come and live in my mortal body. I rejoice at this. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, 
you will live. It's a choice. You have to decide, do you want to live according to your natural body with bickering and anger and wickedness, fornication, all the other things that go with the powers of darkness? Or do you want to live wholeheartedly, singly, in Jesus Christ, in the Spirit? Your Spirit and the Spirit of Christ as one. In that you rejoice. In that you know you have eternal life. In that you know that the mortal body that you live in now can be quickened by the Holy Spirit. Ask him. Ask him. Stand on the promises of God. Don't live in the spirit of bitterness and anger and rancor. Don't live in the spirit of dishonesty and ambition. I feel sorry for some of you. You live in the spirit of mammon. You want the things of this world. You live in the spirit of mammon, and you have to scramble after mammon. Mammon's not easy to catch unless you have the right tools and can crank the right the right machine. And then maybe it'll be very easy. I want you to follow Jesus. I want you to seek his spirit with all of your heart. In all things, Verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither heights nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you walk in the Spirit, you walk in the love of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God dwells in you and shapes you and teaches you and trains you in the school of the Holy Spirit. That's so exciting to me. Come and walk with me and and learn in the school of the Spirit. I love you, my brother and sister. Let's pray. Lord, today I came to talk about my brothers and sisters I came to talk about them and call them out of the spirit of darkness and into the spirit of light, out of the spirit of rancor and bitterness and anger, into the spirit of light. Lord, I came to invite them to walk boldly in the blood of Jesus Christ and to boldly proclaim that they are standing by faith in Jesus, that he is their provision. Lord, right now, I can talk about provision, but everybody seems to have enough. But I know when the 70% reset happens, many will not even have enough food to eat. And then the proof comes. Are we born of the spirit of the living God? Are we born of the spirit of the devil that scrambles and steals and robs and kills to protect itself? Lord, I just rejoice today in the spirit of the living God. I rejoice that I can be a part of living in you, Jesus. 
And I pray your mercy for every person listening, that they will intently study this eighth chapter of Romans. For this is what's coming. And this is what we're going to have to be able to stand on if we're going to survive the coming storm. Lord, open our hearts. Some are there today. Some are in the storm so severe, they don't know how they can survive it. Lord, give us. Give us your courage. Give us your hope. And I will rejoice in you always, Jesus, regardless of what my physical situation is. I will rejoice in you, Jesus, for your Holy Spirit will give life to my mortal body. For you are my deliverer, Jesus. I want every one of us to be able to say, And then Jesus came. And then Jesus came. I praise you and honor you. I glorify your name. You are everything to me, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I pray this has been helpful to you. I pray that your spirit is opened like a flower to the Holy Spirit. I'd love to hear from you. I need to hear from you. This is a Jesus-sponsored broadcast. And he told me he would carry me through. And he's carrying me through. And one of the ways that he does that is he moves in your heart to give. That the work of the gospel could continue. That the broadcast could continue. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. You can also review literally a thousand videos. Many will be helpful to you. God bless you today. I love you with all of my heart. I'd love to meet you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory.